Good morning and welcome to Coach C's podcast. It is a beautiful fall day. And I'm mentioning fall because uh, the leaves are out and they're turning colors and fall always brings to me uh, an intonation of change and something different is about to occur. And I have always found it fascinating where I live when the leaves start to change into these beautiful colors and they change into reds and yellows and oranges. And I don't particularly like fall other than the fact that I, I'm surrounded by beauty and color and change. For me, fall actually also leads to winter. And that is a, a season that if you uh, live in the country in a climate that I do, which happens to be Canada, it can be very long. And uh, the, dar- the days are dark and uh, it brings with it, you know, not only the excitement of the Christmas holidays and skiing and hockey season, but it also brings, you know, a very long, dark season of a lot of cold and a lot of snow. So it conjures up a lot of images for me. So I wanted to share with you this morning in today's podcast, We're going to be working on the next little bit about creativity and the science of our brain and how we are put together. Because if we understand our processor, and we'll call it our processor, everybody has the same processor. All human beings, doesn't matter what color you are, where you were raised, what your religious background is, we all have the same processor. It is almost identical in terms of its uh, how it's made up. Some of us have uh, different thicknesses and certain cortexes of the brain, and the wiring is different, just somewhat. But pretty much everybody has the standard 100 billion neurons and about 100 trillion connections in those neurons. And what does that mean to us? Well, understanding how all of those things got put together and how they connect and how they work help us kind of take a look underneath the hood of the car and figure out how we can be that person that we want to be in terms of our leadership, in terms of expanding our business, in terms of having breakthrough thinking. You know, when we look at the greats of the world and we really study the different minds, if you compare Einstein to uh, da Vinci, for instance, you'll notice that there's, there's a level of brain activity where they both related to themselves as not particularly extraordinary, but definitively curious. Both masterful brains, both masterful creators, inventors, backgrounds in science. You know, one of the things when I studied Da Vinci, I didn't understand, you know, he was a painter, but behind all of that painting were were algorithms and math and, and if Da Vinci were alive today, they probably would have put him on ADD medication. And, uh, you know, I, I am curious about that because uh, recently, you know, I, I think we've known for a really long time I have uh, ADD or ADHD. And uh, through school, when I was going to university, that wasn't a distinction. You know, nobody really paid much attention to that. And then as, the, as I graduated and I, we started hearing more about adult ADD and adult ADHD, I really just ignored all of that. And in this last several years, I've started to embrace what does that actually mean? I didn't want to be labeled with something that would put me in a box. 
And as a transformational coach and an executive coach and a speaker, I really resist those kinds of, you know, the models that tell us and put us in boxes. Um, Because I think about some of the greatest minds, and they were minds that were really central-brained. Even being called left-brained or right-brained, I don't really love labeling people like that. Oh, that person's so analytical. Oh, that person's really woo-woo. They're very artistic. I actually think that every human has access to both parts of that brain. And scientists does tell us, yes, that's fact. You know, we don't just aren't dominated by the left hemisphere of our brain, and we're not dominated by the right hemisphere of our brain, regardless of whether you're right-handed or left-handed. It doesn't preclude who you're going to be in life. And, And that's my whole point in this podcast today is that wherever you are in the results that you're producing in your life and you're looking to get to that next level, I want you to start to be curious about the boxes that you stuck yourself in. Did you put yourself into an engineering box? I'm an engineer, I'm analytical, it's the way my mind works. Boom, that's the way it is. I'm artistic, I'm a painter, I love to draw, I love to create. I'm not good at certain things because of that. Boom, that's the way my mind works. Can you see how that limits our thinking about what's possible for ourselves and what's possible for our companies, our businesses, and the results that we produce? If you are heading up a creative industry and you're heading up something that's a really, you know, has a lot of design functionality, and then you have to transform that design functionality into a product or solution, you require all facets of your brain. And so as a, we'll get back to that ADD thing, As an executive coach and leader, I started to get really curious about this distinction. And uh, it became a little bit more personal to me um, recently. Uh, About a year and a half ago, I suffered a, a concussion. And you'll even notice in my speaking, sometimes I struggle. I was started to struggle for words. I couldn't access certain words that used to flow. And they would just flow freely for me. And all of a sudden, it was like being jarred and hitting this glass wall. And I noticed that the creativity in my brain, I would question myself. And I thought, you know, I actually went to my doctor and I said, I think I'm losing my mind. You need to do an MRI. I must have a brain tumor. And as funny as that is, it was really concerning for me because she said, no, it's, it's an impact of... You know, I was an ice hockey player for many, many years. I've had a couple of concussions. I've actually had five all toll. And this last one was kind of the one that put me on the radar for what does that mean in the functioning of my brain? Does it mean that it's broken? You know, I started using language to describe my memory and to describe my words not coming out of my mouth as I must be broken. And then I got really curious, well, what is all of this, what is all of this about? Because my doctor also liked to describe to me that, you know, as we get older in life and I'm still only 39, I don't know about you, but, uh, I am joking. I know you can't see my face, but uh, I'm just a little bit older than that. And uh, I, I do like for you to maintain the illusion that I'm 39, though. So just keep that in your in the background. Um, but as we get older, our brain, uh, it does do certain things, and it does shift, and it changes. So your brain from the time we are zero to four all the way through to the very, very end is constantly morphing, changing. You're using neurons, you're using billions and billions of these connections that are constantly telling your body things and sensory perception. And all of that sensory perception shapes how we see the world, which then shapes the actions that we take and the results that we think we can produce in our lives. 
So it's limiting as well as unlimited if you really unlock and unleash some of those decisions that are holding us back. So for me, in, uh, in, this, in this last year and a half, and in really investigating, well, what does the ADD mean? And what does it really, what does it really mean on top of having had a concussion and, and recovering from that concussion? Um, is there something I now need to do about that? And there are things that I can do to really empower myself and my, and my brain and, and to really support that functionality. And the first thing was to just get more curious and to stop, you know, if I couldn't get a word out, the immediate response that my body would have was anxiety. It would produce literally a chemical and, and I would get tightness in my chest and I would have fear that the person I was speaking to would think that I was what? Stupid or lack intelligence. And we all, you know, I know that's inaccurate. That is not any, anybody would not describe me as someone who lacks intelligence. And I have a, a beautiful degree from a beautiful university and I've, I've had an incredible career to demonstrate that I do have a certain prowess and a power and intelligence. But I had decided that, and then I thought about it for a moment. It's like, well, where does that come from? And all of these sensory unconscious decisions are made throughout time, throughout our lives. Our brain is constantly looking for, uh, through our retinal system and, and through our processing, uh, it's constantly looking for matches. It's constantly looking for things that match the thought process. And if I, at a very early age, had an experience where maybe I put my hand up and somebody laughed at me, or maybe I didn't know the answer to a question, or I, I misunderstood what was happening and I said something that maybe didn't relate to the topic, I may have had an experience of feelings emotions that helped me decide, made a decision that I was stupid or not intelligent enough. And I must have squirreled that little thing away and I started to look for evidence. And I remember at one point in my career, in my, in my high school, I, I wanted to be a doctor so badly. And I actually wanted to be a genetic engineer. And in wanting to be a genetic engineer, I, I studied science in high school, and my physics teacher, Mr. Young, God bless him, and the chemistry teacher, um, you know, they would say to me, Christine, your brain thinks differently, backwards and upside down, it's a beautiful thing, but maybe physics isn't for you. And I resisted that coaching. I resisted listening to that. And I was like, no, I'm going to be in life science and I'm going to do this. And, you know, I, and I muscled through and I pulled off decent marks in those courses, just enough to squeak in and get me into the University of Queens University and go into life sciences. And I no sooner got into life sciences and I was uh, also in sales. You know, one of the ways that I made it through university is I, I had a career. I before I even graduated from high school, I sold uh, landscaping products and plant material and uh, helped manage a garden center uh, in, for a small company in Kingston so that I could make enough money to go to school. And in doing that, I loved being with people. I just loved selling things and learning about the plants, and I could name off all the Latin names, which you know really reinforced that I was good in science, and I thought I really knew science was the answer, and, and that's what it was going to carry the day for me. And so I went into science, and I got in there, and I couldn't figure out why I was so unhappy and felt like a, a fish out of water. Have you ever had that experience where you thought you really wanted something in life, and you were, you know, determined to have that thing. And I really felt like this fish out of water. And then finally it dawned on me that science was 
not a match for who I actually showed up for in life. But then I started using words to describe that. And the words that I used to describe that were, you know, I'm not a lab rat. And they were very negative connotations. And I think you probably can relate to that experience. Uh, You know, when you think about, we make decisions based on something that is negative. I'm not this is usually the the way our brain, you know, uh, processes information. And so then it was more, you're a salesperson, you're a business person. So then I decided I'm going to have a degree in economics. So that really was the transition for me. I made that decision. I'm not good in science, so I will go towards business. And that was a very, very smart decision for me at the time. But the one that wasn't smart is making the decision I'm not good at science. Who said that? I did. I was great in science. I just... It wasn't something that was going to propel me into my future. Science was something that I was always curious about and interested in, and I love watching experiments, and I love knowing the names of the mitochondria and the cells, and and I love all of those things, and I really embraced that about me. And now looking back on that, you know, it's not a wonder that I became a coach that's interested in neuroscience and a coach who studies what is it that our brain does that has us be and act how we are today. So thankfully, I did those things and fought through those perceptions that I had started to create for myself, like I'm not smart enough, I'll never be a doctor, I'll never be a genetic engineer, because that that learning really propelled me later on in my career to take all of that knowledge and really become more curious and really develop this neuroscience coaching which is what we're talking about, is what makes me an incredible coach, is my understanding of how we are put together and how our processor works. So the knowledge of the, how the brain works and, you know, I don't have, listen, I'm not going to pretend that I have any deep knowledge in that. I have enough knowledge to make me a really great coach. I am never going to do brain surgery. It's not something I'm interested in. Um, I, I don't want to, you know, do that in my life. I want to be the kind of person that takes that knowledge of how the brain works and how those aha moments are formed. And science has recently really studied that there's a neurological path way to those aha moments. And aha moments are something that we all have. You know, we often have insights in the shower and I share that frequently. We all will, you know, because there's no visual stimulation. You're just in your thoughts and there's less noise. It's white noise. The shower is running and the hot water and your brain has the ability, like it creates a, uh, an experience where you can relax and just listen and, and your thoughts are allowed to meander and you're allowed to daydream. And many of you are daydreamers, and often even today we're told, you know, when we look at the kids of the world, it's like, oh, they're a daydreamer. They live in their own little world. Fabulous. Guess who else were daydreamers? Da Vinci, Jobs, and um, Isaac Newton. They were all daydreamers. They created some of the most profound aha moments just by allowing their brains to wander and be curious about how things got put together and be curious about what it is in life that makes us, you know, you know, why did the why did the apple hit Newton on the head? How did how did certain things get put together? Why is the body designed the way that it is? How does this 
computer system function in a way that will change the world. And if you even look at Apple, for instance, we'll take a modern day example, and you look at Apple and how it has morphed from the very first computer, you know, to the iPhone, which now creates the intellectual creativity. You know, I also work with a lot of engineers And engineers just love to build things. They just love, love, love to create and build things. And But when you ask an engineer, it's like, okay, great, take your creation and go sell that to people. They they literally look at you like, what do you mean I have to interact with people? That's not why I signed on to engineering. I signed on to engineering so that I could build things and do what I love to do. And they use that processor, they use their brain to their maximum potential in, in the way that they like to do that. And, but if you take them and you ask them to do something that they've already decided they're not good at, guess what happens? They shut down. They get very concerned. They get very anxious. Their heart rate starts to go up. They get higher blood pressure. They, they don't show up for work the next day. All kinds of curious things start to happen when you ask an engineer. Now, if you said to an engineer, I have a room full of people that I, they have the same, this problem, and you have the solution to that problem. Could you go share your expertise with them and help them understand what it is that they need to do to solve their problem? The engineer would say, no problem. Yes, I absolutely would do that. Because now you're speaking into the part of their mind where they're comfortable. They want to solve problems. They want to help with solutions. I use this example because if you look at the world today, but if I, you know, you look at the world today and you said to the same engineer, I'm going to put you on stage and have you sell this program that you just created because it's brilliant and you need to sell that to people. Just the word sell alone or sales alone will put people into a panic. And the reason being is some decision that they made from the past where sales is scary or it feels risky to them or they don't want to come across, they want to be liked and they don't want people to not like them and salespeople are associated with, you know, people don't like salespeople. And I want you to now stop for a moment and think about what I just said because you're, that could be impacting your business as well. Just your relationship to your creativity and the decision that you made about solutions or sales or marketing or accounting, what you are and you aren't good at. And your brain got all wired up that way just through history, just through time. Some of those thoughts you inherited, some of them have been passed on to you from generations about what your family does and doesn't do if you're in a family business. But science has now shown us that you can rewire the thinking of your brain just by being more curious. The great thinkers of the world just became more curious and weren't stopped by perfectionism. So even if they were, you know, really Jobs was also a perfectionist and he wanted, you know, the keyboard, not the keyboard, the the things inside the computer that people never see, he wanted that all to look pretty and beautiful. And that's interesting, but pretty and beautiful on the inside of the computer wasn't resulting in sales. So he he had to eventually just let go of that notion that everything has to be perfect and then just sell the product that he had created. And you see Apple still uses that model today. They know that they will fix whatever's not working perfectly eventually. And so they still release products that might have a bug, might have a problem. 
Are you relating to your business with that level of curiosity and knowing that you will fix whatever needs to get fixed? Some of us are holding on to these, you know, I won't release this until it's absolutely perfect. And that might be with that might be holding your business back. So in, in this first set, in this first series, and, and looking at how has creativity and the science of our brain really gotten us to where we are in our business, um, one of the things that I was left with, you know, is how do I invent and create for my clients a new place to, you know, look at the same business problem? Because there's so many business books and so many professionals and so much mastery has already been done. We've made decisions on what it is that must be done and the right way to do it. And if you're left with nothing else after listening to this, I'd like you to consider that all of those right ways of doing it, while they may be very informative and they may be very, very helpful in getting you to certain solutions, they can also be the barrier to taking you to a breakthrough in your business. And a breakthrough means having that aha moment and being able to action that moment. Taking your, you know, that insight that you have and being able to go, oh my gosh, I see the solution. And there's a whole new science that actually determines how we get to that solution. So getting to the solution, maybe you have to change the way you've been approaching the problem. So let's take a look in your business. I'd like, I really invite you to use these podcasts to your benefit and really just take a moment and look at what's one problem that I'm dealing with today that if I had a solution for that problem, I, it, it would help. And then start to investigate and be more curious. How are you being rigid in your approach to the problem? How are you feeling resigned in your approach to the problem? What are the emotional drivers that you have about that problem? So the science of creativity and being creative will actually help you have a new perspective and look at your problem differently. And you have to understand a couple of things. Your brain is always wired to show you the past. Your brain is wired to gather sensory information. It is never stopping. There are a hundred trillion neurons just firing all the time in your brain, gathering data, gathering information. And our job is to make sense of that information and then make a decision. And sometimes what we have to do before we make that decision is become more curious to have the courage to not necessarily have the answer, but to investigate new solutions, which is why I love uh, intergenerational leadership teams and having, you know, having someone who has a lot of experience work with someone who is just new out of university or out of high school, because bringing those different thoughts together, that level of curiosity mixed and combined with a new level, that level of knowledge and experience brings forward something that was not possible in an organization or in your company or in yourself prior to that. There's a few things that we need to deal with, though, and that is the decisions that we've made about either working with someone who's younger than us. You'll hear often leadership teams complain about millennials. Millennials complain about the old folks. You just hear it everywhere in business. They don't understand me, blah, blah, blah. 
we're not going to get into that here. What we want to talk about is what's possible in your business if you started to bring that level of curiosity and learning. Not only if you're young and new and you're bringing in like what's the what do the experts say and how do those experts really you know impact me and and what are the, some of those things. Uh, what? How do, can I learn from that knowledge, and how can I learn from that expertise? And then the again, if you're the expert, how can you learn from that mind that is just in in a basic curiosity mode because they don't have they haven't made all of the decisions about the right way to do it or the wrong way to do it. Some of the best work that I have ever done was when I didn't know what I was doing because it didn't, nothing stopped me. I was able to create and invent programs that were impactful in organizations really early on. And it's what really spurred my career because I didn't know I would read knowledge and books and I would put it all together and, and assemble the information right from the Oz principle to, you know, being responsible and accountable. But I didn't have like a pattern or a strategy. If I had to do it a certain way, there was no rigidity in my learning and in my lessons. And that is something that I really try to recreate and reinvent every day in my practice is that phenomena of coming from, what if I don't know? The phenomena of coming from being really curious about a problem or being curious about a sales issue or being curious about, you know, accounting and marketing. Well, accounting for me is not something I'm driven to, but I know I need to have people in my life that are really wired that way. So you want to remember our brain is wired. And it, it, for some of us, there's dominations and areas of that we gravitate towards because we've made decisions. But if you really want to have full maximum capacity with your thinking and really alter what's possible, you want to start to become curious and have you know the courage to shatter your own thinking in a way that maybe you don't know. Maybe if you tried it a different way. And I love looking at Elon Musk and his vision for the future where he wants everyone on the planet to drive electric cars. And he gets so much flack for that vision because, you know, he's got all this interesting things going on around him and, and, you know, people's expectations and how he should or shouldn't be. But if you really look, underneath that is a desire to make a difference and make a change. And that's inherent for him. And that's inherent for all of us. We all have some fundamental, our, our need to leave an impact or make a mark in this world. And, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs will we'll predicate that to you. You can understand. It's like the basic needs, the food, the water, the shelter, the love. And then there's this fundamental overarching need for all human beings, no matter their socioeconomic situation or where they live, is to make an impact or a difference. And that can be very small or it can be very broad either way. So getting back to the whole, you know, tapping into your your creative energy, your creative mind, I'm going to call it mind, there is some new elements where I'd love for us all to begin to explore what else is possible. What other solutions can we come up with in our businesses or in some of the problems that we're currently facing today in the world? What would that look like? So start with you, start with your business, and then you know, just start to engage. What if I didn't have all of the answers? What if I didn't know? And we'll continue this in another, you know, 
this conversation in our next set. And the next set will again be about, you know, how we're wired and what has that wiring. So, you know, if you've already determined yourself a left brain person, for instance, I'd like you to just this week alone, after you've listened to this podcast, consider what if you're not? What if that was a mistake? What if that decision that your only that your analytical mind is, you know, very useful and very valuable, but what if there's also a creative side to you? What if there's a side to you that is just fundamentally playful, curious? And how do you match that with your ability to see through a problem and get to the result or a solution? The and vice versa is true. If you're a really creative person, there are things that you don't want to do. I'd love for you to just consider taking on, taking your creativity and matching it into the decisions that you've made about what you're not good at and what you don't want to do and see what comes about. See what's possible there because as a creative person, you probably bump into areas where, you know, you have challenges monetizing on your ideas. You may be challenged to get your idea off the ground uh, because other people can't understand what your vision is. So the ability to articulate that vision in a way that people who, you know, want to buy into your business or give you money or, you know, sales. All of those things are required to take that creative process and and monetize on that and really make that something. And using the creative, you know, your creativity and using your analytical mind together and creating that whole centered mind for yourself. So take yourself out of whatever box you put yourself in, whether it's I'm not smart enough, whether it's not good enough, whether it's I'm a left brain person and this is the way it is, that regimented thing, or whether I'm a creative person and and the world just doesn't understand what it is that I'm trying to say, or people don't get it. You know, whatever that is, I want you to swing closer and, and say that's not true. You're a central brained person and there are things that you gravitate towards based on your likes and dislikes, but what if you examined how that all got put together? All of that's from your past. All of those things are the decisions that we made. So this is a week about being curious. It's a week about being curious and courageous. Because beyond curious, you need to be able to be courageous to act differently and to be differently than you have before. Thanks again for listening to this podcast and to listening to Coach C. I hope that this has made an impact for you and a difference for you and uh, would love to hear your feedback. Make sure you visit us at www.contrastconsultingco.com. Like our Facebook page. We're at Contrast Consulting on Facebook, Contrast Coaching as well. Or hit us up on LinkedIn and you can also find me, Christine Nielsen, at either Instagram, Coach C Official, Facebook, Christine Nielsen, or on LinkedIn, Christine Nielsen. Have a great rest of your week, and I look forward to uh, creating our next inventive and thoughtful podcast for you.